2016 was not merely another four-year election. This was a defining moment in American history. Ask them right there. is a lot of fake news back there. That's a lot. That's a lot. If you want to know how the system is rigged, just compare how they came after us for three years with everything they have versus the free pass they gave to Hillary and her aides after they set up an illegal server destroyed evidence, deleted and acid-washed 33,000 emails, exposed classified information, and turned the State Department into a pay-for-play cash machine. I keep mentioning, you know, there was a lot of corruption on the other side. But, you know, the simplest thing, they get a subpoena from the United States Congress, and they decide that they're not going to give it. So, Lindsey Graham, they delete and they acid wash, which is very expensive. Nobody does it. They acid wash those emails. Never to be seen again. But we may find them somewhere deep in the State Department. We may. But can you imagine if I got a subpoena? Think of this. If I got a subpoena for emails, if I deleted one email like a love note to Melania, it's the electric chair for Trump. 33,000 emails. But let's see what happens. We now have a great attorney general. Let's see what happens. The Democrats don't care about Russia. They only care about their own political power. They went after my family, my business, my finances, my employees, almost everyone that I've ever known or worked with. But they are really going after you. That's what it's all about. It's not about us, it's about you. They tried to erase your vote. Erase your legacy of the greatest campaign and the greatest election probably in the history of our country. And they wanted to deny you the future that you demanded and the future that America deserves and that now America is getting. Our radical Democrat opponents are driven by hatred, prejudice, and rage. They want to destroy you, and they want to destroy our country as we know it. Not acceptable. It's not going to happen. All right, glad you're with us. That, of course, the president last night, Orlando, an electric crowd filled to the brim, not a seat open. Almost 150,000 people wanted to be there. Amazing moments in the 45 plus hours leading up to the president's speech. 
the tailgating, the partying, the fun, the crowds. I mean, it was uh, compare that to any of the Democrats, any of them. I, I just got preliminary ratings from last night just just for cable news. And it's through the roof. And uh, which, by the way, I appreciate for the Hannity Hour. We're number one at nine. Thanks to that. Uh, and thanks to all of you. And we really do appreciate it because we can't do this without you. But can, can sleepy, creepy, crazy Uncle Joe, he, he doesn't have what you heard in him, nor does he have a core. And, um, you know, people say, well, you're you're questioning his health. Well, I don't understand somebody that's supposed to announce his campaign and have hardly anybody show up. Nobody cares He's dull and boring, and and more importantly, he has no core, no principles. He's flipping and flopping and flailing all over the place, you know, like a fish that you just caught and you put on your boat. It's like, you know, hello, oh, all over the place. Or if you've ever watched Wicked Tuna, I love that show. But seriously, it is, um, it's a phenomenon. I've never seen this with any president. And this has been my love, my passion, my career for 30 years now. I've never seen anything like this. It is amazing to watch. It's historical in so many different ways. And I also think, you know, just looking at down the road in the future, um, I will say that Obama had big crowds. And it was it was pretty clear pretty early on, especially you know, John McCain, God bless his soul. I mean, he was not willing to fight. I felt like, I, you know, how often did we feel we were up the tallest tree, out on the shortest limb, hanging onto the, the weakest twig and a leaf for, that was still on there from last fall alone vetting Obama and Frank Marshall Davis and the Choom Gang and, you know, uh, the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life at sunset and, you know, all these things, just vetting them, just normal vetting. Nobody else would do it. Acorn, Alinsky, Black Liberation Theology. You know, we still never got his grades. I always suspected that, well, he lives in the same neighborhood as Farrakhan and he's hanging out with crazy Reverend Wright and Father Flager. And for 20 plus years, Black Liberation Theology you know, was his inspiration, and we discussed that in detail. Nobody else did. The Church of GD America and America's chickens have come home to roost after 9-11 and started his campaign in the home of unrepentant terrorists, Ayers and Dorn. And yet, you know, the crowds were there. Nobody vetted him. Nobody ever vetted his failures of eight years, but we did. Now we're, we've been investigating for two years the deep state. By the way, I thought the president was phenomenal taking that on last night you know all that was every accomplishment that he talked about and some that he didn't even talk about but you know you go through the basics foreign policy he pulled us out of that ridiculous and the, the, the Iranian deal was insane why would you ever ever and I can't wait for sleepy creepy crazy Joe to answer this how could you drop 150 billion dollars in cash and other currency on the tarmac of radical Islamic mullahs that chant death to America, death to Israel. What would ever possess you to do that? I, it's, 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 I, it's stunningly stupid, but it happened. You know, all these presidents that promised 
Jerusalem is going to be the capital of Israel. It is its rightful capital. It is their historic homeland. It's not an issue historically in dispute. And, and Israel and all that they've been through. And this president did it when so many others promised but didn't have the courage to, do, to follow through. The same with the Golan Heights. By the way, we do need another election for the prime minister again. Now, uh, th- I, this is an insane, uh, you know, this parliamentary system with all these varying factions and all these different groups and then the coalition that needs to be put together after you win the election is insane. But that's their system. The best thing people in Israel can do is vote Likud because you vote in the you can't vote for some of these smaller parties because then they, you're giving them too much power in the negotiation. And as the prime minister tries to put together a government, we can't lose the, the, the sole voice of moral clarity who has stood as a Churchillian figure, Prime Minister Netanyahu. Now that, by the way, that stupid, you know, last minute corruption case is finished with just a fine. It was stupid from the beginning, but they did that five weeks before the election. I mean, and the problem in Israel is you can't do opinion programming. There's no Fox News there. There's no Sean Hannity, Rush Limbaugh, Mark Levin there. And um, I, I actually have on occasion, we have great friends as a, a station in Tel Aviv. It's a huge FM stick and it's 102 FM in, in Tel Aviv. And I actually have hosted shows from here and and done radio shows for them only because nobody else there can do it and they let me do it and i don't you know i'm not going to change who i am i just give my opinions and um anyway we should do that again probably before the next election because it's that important for world stability and then you think uh, just one other point on the middle east we're not dependent on their oil number one thank god a lot of these countries that hate our guts we have to beg them for the lifeblood of our economy that's insanity Energy independent for the first time in 75 years. I keep saying how important that is. And then, you know, this battle against Iranian madness and hegemony in the region, you know, Putin supporting the Iranians, you know, they're flirting with the Chinese. That's a dangerous alliance, but it's created a, a moment in history that wasn't possible prior to Donald Trump being president, where the United States, Israel... The Jordanians, the Egyptians under General al-Sisi, who I interviewed, and then you add the Saudis. I still have my criticisms, as you know, well, severe criticisms. And then the Emirates, you know, all now sharing intelligence because of the madness what Biden and Obama did funding, you know, the Mullers that are fighting proxy wars. But I'm not even talking about the president, what he's done at home. And, and he went through it last night. Yeah, energy independent for the first time in 75 years, the largest tax cuts in history. The president rightly focused on keeping his promise on originalist, constitutionalist judges, 145 appointments, two Supreme Court appointments from a list that he gave everybody ahead of time. No other presidential candidate do I know ever did that before. And, you know, the president has literally you know, branded and tattooed the words fake news into the foreheads of all these phony news and news people. Wait to hear what I play. Wait to hear what CNN did last night. I'll get to that in a minute. Fake news, CNN. Oh, I got an update with Jimmy Acosta. I'll get to too. 
And then you look at the biggest, largest tax cuts in history, the single biggest reduction in burdensome, insane government regulations that were stifling business. We now have two million more jobs available. They're doing job fairs in Pennsylvania in prisons because we need workers that bad. That's how good it is. Two million more jobs available than people on unemployment. Record low unemployment has never happened. African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, Asian-Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment. That's good because incorrigible people like me, if I didn't have a job as a kid, I'd be in a lot of trouble. And it's a great success story. Look at how the president fights for the border and he's winning. He even had Republicans not standing with him and saying, hey, Mexico, fix this or I'm slapping a tariff on you. I don't think he ever wanted to slap a tariff on Mexico, but he's taking a stand. Stop allowing this. You're hurting our country and our relationship. And they did. You know, would Obama do that? All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, glad you are with us. We're loaded up today, by the way. Uh, Oh, man, there's an incredible uh, new investigative piece out by John Solomon. We're going to get into all the details of this. I mean, it's really shocking because, you know, in the final chapter of Russia collusion and the conspiracy theories and the lying media is written, it's, you know, pretty likely that seminal documents that the FBI used to justify this phony investigation of Donald Trump, his campaign and his transition team and his presidency were based on a hoax and a lie and opposition party Fake research, you know, the, the, the Steele dossier. Well, it's unverifiable because when he was under oath, he told us he had no idea if any of it's true. And when Durham goes over to Great Britain and interviews him, he's going to have to stick by that part of the story. That's gotten a lot of attention and a lot of scrutiny, rightfully so, by the way. And I think the interview with Steele has delayed the inspector general's Final report on FISA. Look, my sources tell me it's going to be devastating and it's everything we've been telling you. I don't know. I mean, I only have sources, but my sources have been dead on accurate for two plus years. And at its best, you know, the the Steele dossier was made up. You got to read it. Most people, we ought to put a link, Linda, on. Yeah, she's agreeing. All right, but we'll put a link up on Hannity.com. Because, and fun, think about this, Steele got paid by Hillary, Hillary running the DNC's budget, according to Donna Brazil, got paid by the FBI until he was fired for lying and leaking. Then he was still trying to use Bruce Orr and funnel information to Mueller. It's unbelievable. Now, what Solomon has discovered is what is known as the black cash ledger. That's escaped. The same scrutiny as the dossier, even though it's emergence in Ukraine in the summer of 2016. Well, that was that was an attempt by the DNC with evidence to collude with the Ukraine to help Hillary Clinton's campaign. Nobody's interested in that. And in the search for affidavits, we now we find out that the FBI, again, only the one percent resurrected the criminal case against Manafort. He might have his appeal based on what John Solomon's going to tell you in a half hour. All right, 25 now until the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. All right, hang on. Done. Email. Okay, done. Um, You know, I watched last night, and I'm just, 
you know, does crowd size matter? Um, I think the answer is, yeah, enthusiasm matters. Now, there's definitely a contingency out there, I guess maybe even an audience for conspiracy theories, lies, rage, hatred, a mob mentality. I, 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 it's pretty obvious that that's all true. That all exists. You know, we see it every second, every minute, every hour, every day. A fake news CNN. So CNN six minutes in to the president's announcement that he's running for re-election, they pull away from the president's speech because they don't think that they should give. Well, let's give. Let's first play the coverage, and then we'll play Don Lemon's comments. You know, remember Ocasio-Cortez comparing the immigrants that are being held, that are here illegally, to concentration camps. Now, you do know that in concentration camps, I did so much research on the Holocaust for a book I wrote called Deliver Us From Evil. You know, defeating despotism and, you know, and, and, and liberalism. I said, because liberalism capitulates to, you know, evil. Peace through strength. That's my attitude. We need to be tougher, meaner, and we got to be able to kick anybody's ass to defend our way of life. This great democratic republic, this constitutional republic. That's the only way. There's evil in the world. We see it every day. Anybody harms a child, evil. Murderers, evil. There's evil in so many manifestations and forms, and there are governments that are evil. In the last century, 100 million people were slaughtered, you know, in the name of communism, fascism, Nazism, imperial Japan. We saw the killing fields of Cambodia, Pol Pot. You know, all of these instances, 100 million human souls slaughtered. Stalin, Russia, Mussolini. Hitler, Hitler, concentration camps, they slaughtered and murdered over 6 million Jewish people. They were after Catholics. They were after, you know, anybody that, you know, was not them. It was evil. And then to compare, okay, let's see, we're providing food, water, Medicine, supplies to people that were detained, breaking the law, coming into our country illegally. We provide everything. And we, we have, we're, we're a nation of laws. And you're going to compare that to mass slaughter of, of innocent human beings that literally walked into their death in gas chambers or were burned to death? For no reason at all. Imagine if a conservative made that sick, ugly, twisted, vile analogy like Ocasio-Cortez. It is beyond disgusting. It is beyond despicable. Since, and, it's a, and it's also rooted in ignorance and, and frankly, um, arrogance. But the conservative said it, forget it. Your career's over. It's done. And you think of all the other things that, you know, others have said, Omar and others. They don't have the courage in the Democratic Party to stand up to the real speaker, Ocasio-Cortez. No, it's Pelosi's speaker in name only. 
Let's play fake news CNN. Six minutes into the president's speech last night. Listen. The amount of press we have tonight reminds me of the Academy Awards before it went political and their ratings went down the tubes. This was our chance to reclaim our government. All right, we've been watching the president kick off his re-election bid. He's been on stage for about six minutes. Within two minutes, he did talk about the economy, but within four minutes, it was attacks on the media. So uh, he was talking about a bright, rosy future, but then quickly reverted to some of the same themes he's been talking about since he began running four years ago today. All right, six minutes in, but the crowd, what he didn't tell you, was chanting, CNN sucks. He didn't want to tell you that part. So they're so thin-skinned over there. And and by the way, the lowest-rated network. You know, that's I had a little run-in with Jim. Jim Acosta's begging to be on this radio show and TV show. And my answer is no. Go sell the your garbage fake news on your lowest-rated cable network. I'm not subjecting my audience to your lies and conspiracy theories and the hoaxes and your arrogant egotistical demeanor and rudeness towards uh, the president of the country. Sell it on fake news, CNN. Then he says, you don't have the courage to meet me in the schoolyard. I said, okay, I'll be glad to meet you in a schoolyard. Tell me where and when, and especially I'm free the week of the 4th of July. I'm available. We put it up on Hannity.com. I'll I'll be glad to, but I'm not selling your book, and I'm not going to hawk your lies and your conspiracy theories. Now, it's funny because... The great one, Mark Levin, three weeks in a row, three three weeks in running, the number one best-selling book in America. I had Ethan look up on Amazon.com, which for for little Jimmy Acosta's book. What 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 number is his book, Ethan? In four hundred and ninety fifth. <laughs> it's it's done. It's a total flop. Well, for a CN- total failure for a CNN host, that might be a success. I mean, they don't have any it's ratings to disa- begin with. Listen, that's all I, their viewership. I, I wrote three books. I don't like writing books. It's too much work. I really don't. I like I I've, I roll a whole different way. I talk and it's out. I don't like this, you know, editing and, and refining and, and refining and sanding and priming and painting and, and priming and painting and, and sculpting. It's too much work. I don't like it. I hate it. So they couldn't take it. Then Don Lemon comes on fake news CNN and listen and put it in the context of what Ocasio-Cortez said. Listen to this as a justification for not carrying Donald Trump's speech. Think about the despicable people we've had in history. Okay, now I'm going to use an extreme example. Um, Think about Hitler. Think about any of those people. Would you say that that person is allowed or let's put it this way. If you could look back on in history, would you say, well, I'm so glad that that person was allowed a platform so that they could spread their hate and propaganda and lies? Or would you say that probably wasn't the right thing to do to spread that because you knew in the moment that that oh was gosh. a bad person and they were doing bad things? Not only were they hurting people, they were killing people. By the way, Sean. Yes. Costa's book is now down to number 548. No longer even. Right, I don't want to take 500. 548. All right. Well, tell Linda because we have to fix that. Um, and you can blame me. Now, here's the th- here's the deal. 
Did you just hear what he said? What has Trump done? You don't like what? That Trump has given us, taken an economy that was in the sewer. 13, a Biden, Obama, 13 million more Americans on food stamps. Real people, real families, real suffering. 8 million more in poverty. Real families, real people, real suffering. The worst recovery since the 40s. Real people, real Americans, real suffering. The, the lowest home ownership rate in 51 years. Real families, really suffering. And then the worst labor participation rate since the 70s. And then took on more debt than 43 presidents and vice presidents before Biden and Obama. And never reached 3% GDP growth. Trump, oh, biggest tax cuts in history. Look what happens. Then ending all of this insane regulation that they have and making us energy independent, fighting on the courts and fighting to get rid of the individual mandate, fighting to build the border wall. It's been a, I mean, he just, he's, he's relentless. He won't stop fighting. And it frustrates, I know some conservatives are, man, why he can't do it all by himself. He's trying. He's doing everything he can do on his own. But, you know, you need some stronger Republicans who have just pathetically weak, visionless, spineless, gutless, their knees buckle. It's pathetic. But he's but he's getting it done. And what? Lowest unemployment rate, the best employment condition since 1969. The best. Record low unemployment. I thought Democrats, you know, in the Obama-Biden years, Biden-Obama years, the people that were disproportionately negatively impacted by their horrific economic policies were African-Americans, Hispanic Americans, minorities that they claim to have a monopoly of compassion for record low unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workplace and, and youth unemployment. Donald J. Trump, while he's going through the biggest witch hunt in history, and now we're going to compare the president to Hitler? That's what you call news? This, and you claim to be fair? If that's not fake news, I don't know what is. A conservative, I promise you, that would have said the same thing about Obama or Biden Obama would have been in deep crap and probably fired. And run out of Washington if they said this kind of thing. But no, I'm sure the person will get a raise. You know. And then I got this other idiot over at Fake News CNN begging to be on the show. And then he says, you don't have the courage to meet me in a schoolyard. I said, okay. Well, I said, I, I, I literally said to Acosta, stop telling your reps. Stop them from harassing and begging my staff. The answer is no. I'm not promoting the 550th ranked book on Amazon to help you sell it on your crappy low rated cable network you work for. Stop bothering my staff. I don't peddle lies like you do. You know, go sell it on the lowest rated cable network in America. You don't deserve to be on the number one show. Thanks to all of you in this audience. I'm not just not bragging. I'm thankful. You've made Hannity the number one cable news show in America. We, we're going to work so hard every day to, to, to earn your trust. We've been right. The 99% of the media have been wrong. 
I doubt they're ever going to say Hannity was right. But I don't give a flying rip what they think. But we told the truth. We uncovered the truth. The biggest abuse of power corruption scandal in history. Nor am I going to put this idiot on 618 of the greatest radio talk stations in the country. I'm not going to do it. You know, and oh, he says Hannity, he, he provided scripts and talking points from the White House. No, Jim, I write my own scripts. I have a staff that helps me do research all, my, all by my little self. Sometimes I guess people like what I say and they reuse it. It's all me. Would have been nice. You say you're a reporter. Maybe you should have called me and asked me, hey, do you get talking points? Does anybody write your scripts? No, but journalism's dead, Jim. Perfect example because you lie again. And I don't recall meeting this idiot on any bus in Helsinki. Linda says he was on a bus I was on. I said, really? I didn't know. How do I know? And what did he expect me to do? Hey, you idiot! You know, yell at him in front of everybody? No. He wants to talk. Why didn't he come talk to me on the bus? I was. A, he saw me. I didn't see him. Now, he talks about wanting to meet me in a schoolyard. So I did say in a tweet today that I do have good news for fake news Acosta. That I will gladly meet him, but I have some conditions. I'll meet him privately in a mutually agreeable schoolyard alone as he requested my only condition is this meeting will have nothing to do with his failing book his failing career or his failing network and then i said i'm i'm free the week of the fourth of july so i'm i'm available for that but i am not selling your garbage ever or promoting your failed career You've done a good enough job destroying that yourself. And the fact that the, the, the massive crowds of people are yelling at your network for the lies and the conspiracy theories you tell, you would think there'd be maybe a slight moment of reflection, introspection, acknowledgement that we're wrong. No, we're just going to say we're not covering Trump because he's like Hitler. Wow. Wow. Unbelievable. It's, it's really sick. But we're going to keep doing what we do. And we're getting, wait till you hear the story of John Solomon's breaking today. Oh, and President Trump last night set a record for, campaign, for a campaign kickoff. Not only the crowd size and the rally size and all the people that wanted to go, he raked in nearly $25 million. Can you think of any Democrat that had anything close to this reaction when they announced they're running? Biden... Bernie, Warren, you know, little Pete, the mayor, who else? You know, what's his name? Beto has people, three people showed up at one event. Three. I want the country to keep growing and prospering. I'm not sick of winning. I want the forgotten men and women in this country to raise their standard of living and get their new homes and their new trucks and their new cars and take their kids to Disney and have a better life. That's what capitalism provides. They appointed 18 very angry Democrats to try to take down our incredible movement. After two years, 
1.4 million pages of documents, 500 search warrants, 500 witnesses, 2,800 subpoenas, and 40 FBI agents working round the clock. What did they come up with? No collusion. And the facts that led our great attorney general to determine no obstruction. No collusion, no obstruction. And they spent $40 million on this witch hunt. $40 million. That's right, they spent $40 million, probably a hell of a lot more than that. All right, that was the president last night in Orlando. Pretty electric night. Uh, Penn said it's on. Everybody get ready. It's round two. The economy is the envy of the world, ripping the Democrats and the media mob for their hatred, their prejudice, their rage, talking about all, all of the success in two and a half years. But all of it happened under what was the most intrusive, unfair, illegal abuse of power, corruption scandal in history. You know, listening to the president outline it in his way and knowing uh, it's taken a long time i at points of my career i've been asked well why do you why did you in 2016 say every day give us obama's record because at any given moment there is a new person listening to this program and i do it fast i do it not to be redundant not to hear myself say it i do it because by november I want everybody to have it in their own memories because, look, we're busy people. People forget this is my job. And one of the ways you, you, you've got to hammer home tough messages sometimes. President's great at that. And the only thing I can say is, is that for the last two plus years, nearly going on, go back to July of 2016. That's when it already, they'd already written Hillary's exoneration in May July 2nd, 2016 is when Peter Strzok interviewed her, but allowed Cheryl Mills and one other person to be there. And it was all set up. Even Strzok admitted it. And then, of course, Comey takes over, basically outlines all the crimes she committed. But never mind, I'm not going to do anything about it, which would not be the case for any American citizen. And then the FISA warrant, then the warnings about the FISA warrant, multiple, Bruce Orr, Kathleen Kavlek, then the fact that they used the unverifiable dossier of Christopher Steele that Hillary paid for, and all the things the president talked about last night, all of them happened under these difficult conditions. And the president cooperated. Not once did the president invoke executive privilege, which is stunning to me, even allowing the White House counsel, Don McGahn, 30 hours in front of the special counsel uh, and his, you know, band of married Democrats. And of course, the people like Weissman and Hillary Clinton's former attorney, Jeannie Ray, all Democrats, no Republicans. And still they came up with for a fourth time. First, the FBI nine month investigation, both Page and Strzok independently have said, nope, nothing there. Nothing. We had nothing. Then we had the House Intel investigation, then the bipartisan Senate investigation. Now the Mueller report. That's why all these people that are going in and say, you know what? I'm not answering your stupid questions anymore. They want a fifth bite at the apple, which is just to basically 
harass not only the president, but they don't give a rip about the the exorbitant amount of money that people have to pay their lawyers to now talk for a second, third, fourth time to either a congressional panel, Mueller's group, and you still the same questions. So it's a perjury trap anyway. If you, God forbid you say something a little bit different from two years ago. Anyway, um, glad you're with us. Hour two, Sean Hannity show. As I've been saying, that narrative, we it's taken us two years to get here. Where the American people have caught up to where we've been. Every day, every night, you know, slowly unpeeling this onion. We've had an ensemble cast that are second to none. Two of them joining us now, one with breaking news, and that's John Solomon, executive vice president uh, for the Hill investigative reporter. Also, Greg Jarrett, author of the number one bestseller, The Russia Hoax, The Illicit Scheme to Clear Hillary Clinton and Frame Donald Trump. He captured it perfectly. Number one for weeks on the New York Times list. Uh, Thank you both. John, let's start with your breaking news. And well, first, let's start with something else. Let's start with, Greg, tell me what you think. It's taken the media this long. And the American people this long to catch up with where we've been. And, you know, maybe it's a compliment, but maybe, but I get frustrated it takes that long. Well, the, the media is still behind. They still are uh, beating the drum of obstruction and impeachment. But slowly and surely, uh, the hoax that begat the witch hunt is unraveling and the truth is emerging. Uh, thanks to you and people like John Solomon, I have a new and, book And people out. like you. And when is your new well, book coming up? What's it called new, this time? I, I just finished uh, writing the chapters. Uh, it's called Witch Hunt, The Plot to Destroy Trump and Undo the Election. And it dives a whole lot deeper into the abuse of power and the corruption that was so pervasive. And, you know, it's pretty astonishing that this president has accomplished as much as he has uh, given the the cloud that has been hanging over him for the better part of two and a half years, that rally, uh, every Democratic uh, candidate is jealous of the enthusiasm, the sheer numbers. And I know today uh, the USA Today Suffolk University poll comes out that says, uh, you know, most Americans think the president will win re-election. His approval rating at 49%. That will only grow as he continues, as he did last night, to make his case. John Solomon. It's an amazing time in history. No, no, no. Well, I I can tell you exactly. It was you and Sarah broke the first story about uh, surveillance, unmasking. You know, that was March of 2017. And and I remember the conversation after the show. Don't stop. Unpeel every layer of this onion. Keep peeling the onion. And 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 by the way, to your credit, you didn't stop. Yeah, well, it was, listen, there's a good group of people, Greg, right at the top of that list, Sarah, myself, uh, and many members of Congress, Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows, who were determined to get the truth, Chuck Grassley, and, of course, Devin Nunez. And and all of those efforts to combine peeled back a very false story and began to lay bare the sort of political weaponization of the FBI and intelligence community that occurred here. And I think we're only a quarter to a half away into the truth of the story. Today I have a new article out that looks at another potential abuse by the FBI, where the FBI went to the courts in July through October of 2017, so after President Trump was president, after the election, and they sought records to begin a prosecution of Paul Manafort, the former Trump campaign chairman. And in seeking those 
uh, search warrants. They I want everybody, I want, uh, John, you know, yeah. I just want everyone to slow down here. This is new sure. news. I it want is. you to really slow down here. The okay. headline of your article, investigative report on the Hill today, is FBI was warned early and often that the Manafort ledger, that the evidence might be fake, That's and right. they proceeded anyway. Sounds a lot like the unverifiable dossier. So I want people to understand well, this is new. parallels to it. Yeah. A this is parallels to how the FBI acted. Well, so I want you so. to go through it slower. I'm not trying okay. to be obnoxious here. I want people to get sure. this. Yeah, it's a hard story. It's complicated. So let's start uh, where the action began. July 17 through October 17, the FBI goes to a court under seal. They file these affidavits saying they would like search warrants to search Paul Manafort's home, his bank records, his storage locker, etc. You need to establish probable cause. You have to say these are the facts that say that if we do this search, we're probably going to find evidence of criminality. To make that probable cause claim, they used the Black Ledger, a document that surfaced in the middle of the 2016 election in Ukraine, and said this, was, this proves that uh, this is one of the things that show that we're likely to find criminal activity when we're going there. At the moment, the FBI did that in July through October of 2017. They had known for at least 11 months from Ukraine authorities and other sources, including Manafort's own business partners, that the document they were citing, the Black Ledger, was likely fake, uh, was clearly suspect, uh, had erroneous entries, and made a claim that was demonstrably false. It said that Paul Manafort got all these payments in cash. The FBI already knew at that point he was getting the payments by wires, not by cash. Despite all of those X marks, all those negative findings about the dossier, all the warnings it was fake. It used it in the, in the probable cause section of five, uh, four warrants that I can find to suggest that the, the, this is a credible document and therefore it gives us a likelihood that we're going to find criminal evidence when we do the search. It is extraordinary when you talk to defense lawyers and when you talk to uh, former FBI agents that the FBI would use something they knew was wrong to make an argument to a court uh, to get the power to search someone's home. And, uh, and I think it's another example, like the Steele document. We're gonna, I'm going to show you one great parallel. If you give me a second, I think you'll really find this amazing. If you remember in the Steele dossier, the way uh, they bulked it up because of its suspicions, uh, of political suspicions about it, they cited a news article by Michael Lisikoff saying this validates uh, Steele's warrant, which therefore, actually Steele's dossier, which therefore balance our request for the warrant. The only problem with the Isikoff story was the FBI knew it had been leaked by Christopher Steele. So it wasn't independent corroboration. It was the same circular intelligence flowing through two different outlets. In these search warrants, they do the exact same thing. They cite, for Paul Manafort, an April 2017 uh, article by the Associated Press saying this validates that the Black Ledger is a good document. But guess what about that AP article? It was Andrew Weissman, the Mueller deputy, and FBI agents who helped confirm that story with the AP. In fact, met with them the day before the story's publication. So they essentially were using their own leak as independent evidence to bulk up the ledger. So the parallels between Steele, a dossier, and, and the Manafort ledger are almost identical in the way the, uh, the FBI and the prosecutors behaved. All right, quick break. Uh, they have both agreed to stay for the full hour. Greg Jarrett, John Solomon, more Hannity on the other side. All right, as we continue, John Solomon, executive vice president, investigative reporter for The Hill. Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst, author of the number one bestseller, The Russia Hoax. Uh, Greg Jarrett, I just I know you so well. And you're like your mouth is wide open reading yeah. this and hearing this. 
It's, I've read uh, John's incredible uh, column, and as usual, he's broken this thing wide open. Uh, it's stunning. And this shows a pattern of conduct of lies and deceptions on the part of James Comey and Andrew McCabe's FBI. They would uh, lie to courts in order to get what they wanted, and they would phony up evidence, and in this case, leak to the media, and then use that, uh, pretending that it was independent confirmation of the evidence they were citing in support of their warrants. That is crooked business. It's lying to a court. It's a felony, multiple felonies. And the people who did that should be prosecuted. It's stunning. Well, I mean, now, you know, I talk about the the curtain going up, and I'm a little frustrated, but I think I understand why. We were expecting the Inspector General Horowitz report on FISA. I am told it's devastating, and I don't like to raise expectations. I don't know. But I've had pretty good sources all throughout the last two-plus years, and as both of you have, it's funny because I know some of our sources kind of mingle close together, which cracks me up um, at times. Well, I just talked to Greg or I just talked to John. I'm like, I hate these people. I, you know, as if, you know, I want to be the guy. Um, but it shows how hard you guys have been working, honestly. And people think that I just sit here and talk on a microphone all day and in front of a TV camera. It's just the opposite. You, the work goes on behind the scenes. Um, but I think the fact that they're going to interview these CIA guys, that's a fact that Dorham is involved and going to interview Christopher Steele, that's a fact. I think, John, you just put a, 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 a sledgehammer on the heads of people with this new discovery of yours about Manafort. That, that might even, you might have just laid out a basis for appeal for Manafort, if you want my opinion. Um, but I'm not a lawyer. Greg would have to answer that. Fruit of the poisonous tree. Right. If I'm, you obtain information against somebody illegally, That information is tainted. It is excluded under the exclusionary rule. And you're right, Sean. I mean, if I were Manafort's lawyers, I'd feel uh, I'd file an immediate habeas corpus petition to have uh, evidence thrown out and the the convictions and pleas thrown out. Yeah. Uh, And by the way, don't you both believe that Sidney Powell, who wrote a column and has been a regular guest on this program, now is the counsel for General Flynn? Don't you think She's going to try and pull that plea, which sometimes is not easy, but based on the statements of McCabe, oh, I told him not to get a lawyer, and, and Comey bragging that he set him up, I, I, I would think any court would grant grant an opportunity to pull back on that plea, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Sydney's a great lawyer. She has to be looking at that. Uh, she is well aware that the FBI agents, the recipient witnesses, concluded that Flynn was not lying uh, and on that basis alone, uh, the plea ought to be withdrawn. That's the thanks you get for serving your country for 33 years. And then they brag about setting him up. Both have agreed to stay for the hour. John Solomon, executive vice president, investigative reporter of The Hill. Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst, author of the number one bestseller, The Russia Hoax. Christopher Steele, the author of that so-called Russia dossier, he's a former British spy, has agreed to speak to Department of Justice investigators about his work. 
is uh, cooperation with the FBI. How significant is that? Oof, if you go to car races looking for car wrecks, this is significant. This will be a car wreck. Look, this isn't about the Mueller investigation per se. It's about the origins of the investigation and how the Department of Justice and Attorney General Barr has talked about this repeatedly, his suspicions about how the Department of Justice originated the investigation. Obviously, one of the documents was Christopher, Christopher Steele, former intelligence operative, the information he uncovered about Donald Trump from Russian operatives. Let me give you how this game ends. Christopher Steele shows up in front of the Department of Justice and I'm guessing doesn't have terrific answers for the quality of the information in that Steele dossier. I'm telling you, Wolf, this is not going to go well. I can't believe he has perfect answers about the origins of the Steele dossier. I'm not even sure why he's showing up. If I were him, I'd go to Disney World. I would not go to the Department of Justice because it will not end up well. How much money? How much money did the investigation cost? I don't mean to sound like a Trump supporter. How much did the I mean, how much did taxpayers pay him? And and I'm sorry. Does he really think that it is every American's like the way they want to spend their day reading the Mueller report? Some people are not going to read that government document. I want to know why Robert Mueller thinks he's above coming to Capitol Hill and testifying for Americans. It's outrageous. I want to know something else. Jim, why don't you subpoena him? This is absolutely ridiculous. He passed it to you. He documented 10 examples of the president of the United States obstructing justice. He documented illegal or at least very improper contacts between people associated with Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. And you guys can't get him on Capitol Hill to talk? And he's too high and mighty to get on Capitol Hill and talk? Hey, I've got a picture of this guy in my house. Yes, you do. But this is absurd that he yeah. somehow thinks he's above testifying. And by the way, <clears throat> since you asked, since you asked, <laughs> if all he's going to do is read the Mueller report, then you know what I would do? I would say... Do me a favor, could you, you've listed 10 examples of how Donald Trump obstructed justice. Number seven is pretty, pretty incredible. Could you read that for me, please? And if he goes, would you like me to read that for you? You go, yes, yes. Millions and millions of dollars were paid for your report. Not everybody, Bob, is going to read it. So you read it for them. Like, this so is this, seriously? I tell you what, as you can tell, I'm a little... This is outrageous that this guy has not okay. been dragged to Capitol Hill to talk. That's all I got to say. You can't make this up how dumb these people in the media are, but I mean, they are spectacularly stupid, wrong. They lie. They stay two and a half years of conspiracy theories and they missed the biggest story in their lifetime, which is why we continue with John Solomon, executive vice president, investigative reporter for The Hill and our own Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst. He's going to be filling in for Hannity when I take a couple of days off, which I usually never get because they call me back in, which is frustrating. Um, hopefully, they're not going to call me in. But, uh, uh, of course, he also wrote the number one New York Times bestseller, The Russia Hoax. All right. Before we went to the break, we were talking about why is the inspector general report delayed? And you hear the you, you, you know, this guy, Phil Mudd, is panicked over the fact, well, it's not going to be good, likely what Steele says. We already know that, John Solomon, because Steele 
actually had a moment. And by the way, there's another moment I expect we might get some knowledge of in Florida, which you can explain. Um, but he did have to, under the threat of perjury, testify in an interrogatory right. in Great Britain. And he did say the following. I have no idea if any of that dossier is true which made it unverifiable from that moment forward, uh, maybe 50-50, but he was being paid by Hillary, by the DNC, and by our FBI, and correct me if I'm wrong, a Russian oligarch for the same information. Yeah, no, that, that's right. Well, any, uh, any, Anything I said Oleg there that's not true? Maybe a little different. Uh, I think the Oleg Deripaska was to work on a different project unrelated to this, but it is definitely true. He was working for all three uh, entities at the same time. And, and I think the most important thing is that not only was the dossier unverified in his own mind, Steele's own mind, and unverified by the FBI's own standards. If you remember, there was a great text message nine months after they had begun investigating the Steele dossier that they had still not corroborated. Nine months with all the awesome tools that the FBI has. But let's, think, let's look at what was going on in October. In October 2016, before... Uh, the, the dossier uh, was used to, uh, for the warrant. It was very clearly items in it were debunked. They knew that Cohen hadn't gone to Prague. That was one of the main claims. They knew that the NRA's um, a lawyer, Cleta Mitchell, didn't have these contacts. They knew that he had claimed to a U.S. official that uh, the whole scam was being paid through a, con a Russian consulate in Miami that didn't even exist. So not only was it unverified, they had warning signs of things that were factually false in the dossier, and they still proceeded to use it. Unbelievable. And uh, Greg Jarrett, I mean, I'm sitting here saying, when are we going to get it? Now, do you believe, as I do, that because Durham is going to interview Christopher Steele, and we know what Christopher Steele has to say, I mean, Phil Mudd stumbled on the truth a little bit here. Joe Scarborough is just off his rocker. I mean, liberal Joe is just... You know, I, he sold his soul to be on TV, in my opinion, but that's just my humble opinion. I don't have anything against him. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, they're still pitching this conspiracy theory and then these lies over there. And I can't believe they, they still refuse to acknowledge what we have been reporting as fact. Well, you're right. And I, you know, I think it'll all come to light uh, with the inspector general's report. I'm getting the same information you are. I think it will be devastating for the FBI uh, and some people at the Department of Justice. Um, and, you know, the problem, yes, it was supposed to come out, you know, this week, uh, but it's been delayed. And I'm told that one of the reasons is that people are now coming forward. Um, belatedly, reluctantly, um, they know a lot about uh, the corrupt acts that were taking place, um, and they're all going to the attorney general and fessing up uh, to implicate others and exonerate themselves or strike a deal. So, you know, Horowitz has got his hands full. Um, and yes, he probably wants to, uh, to also see how the Durham-Christopher Steele interview goes, because that may be the linchpin if Steele confirms that he warned the FBI that this stuff is unvetted. You know, the, the interrogatory answers that Steele provided in the lawsuit took me a long time to get them. They're in my book. Uh, but he, he essentially admits that his dossier wasn't worth the paper it was written on. And anybody who reads it would know that. The first time I read it, 
I laughed out loud. I still laugh when I reread it. By the way, tell uh, people why. I I had the same reaction as you, because it's so ridiculous on the surface. The, the idea that people believe this, and then it became the bulk of, you know, unverified uh, information to get a, a FISA warrant to destroy the civil liberties of not only Carter Page, and they were spying on him and Sam Clovis and George Papadopoulos. They bring in a hot you know, young, flirtatious uh, model to help in the effort in abroad. But then they get into all things Trump campaign, Trump transition, Trump presidency, uh, all based on a, a laughable dossier that is full of lies well, that Hillary John paid pointed, for. As John pointed out, some of it was immediately and demonstrably untrue, um, which, which makes the entire document suspect. If you find one or two or five uh, lies in, in a document, um, you know, you can pretty reasonably conclude that the rest of it's junk and garbage, which it was. But it reads like a, you know, a junior high school dime novelist wannabe bereft of talent. I mean, it's just <laughs> laughable stuff. And, uh, and, you know, it talks about, you know, Trump uh, colluding with Putin for the last five to eight years uh, before uh, the election. And, and, you know, Trump, Trump had been there once for the Miss USA pageant. And that was it. And so mm-hmm. the rest of it, you know, was, was just a lot of disinformation that I think was provided uh, by the Russians. And, and think about this. Steele put it together in three weeks. The first memo came three weeks after he was hired. He hadn't been to Russia in a decade. He didn't know to be there. Yeah, uh, for him to come up with flag. that kind of detailed information was impossible. Yeah. John? Yeah, listen, it, it is remarkable. And I think when we step back think, with today's revelation in my story today, just think about this. The two seminal documents that gave the FBI or used by the FBI to get authority to investigate a sitting presidential nominee during an election are now both turning out to be fakes or unreliable or uncertain. The black man, uh, ledger for Manafort, the Steele dossier, the FBI started an investigation with evidence that wouldn't pass a kindergarten law class. It's just remarkable that we're learning this two and a half years later, and it really speaks volumes to the way the Bureau operated under the Comey-McCabe regime. And I think that as we go further into this, we're going to continue to learn about the different ways that the FBI used sleight of hand or the prosecutors used sleight of hand to try to create the perception of criminality where none existed. That should trouble us all. Forget Donald Trump, forget Hillary Clinton. No American should have to face that sort of law enforcement proceeding, and I think that's what we're beginning to see, an FBI that used ruses to create the perception that the evidence supported a crime when, in fact, there was no crime there. All right, as we continue with John Solomon, executive vice president, investigative reporter for The Hill, Fox News legal analyst, author of the number one bestseller, The Russia Hoax, uh, our good friend Greg Jarrett, continue with us. Doesn't it kind of cut deep when you find out I don't know. I just I've said this so many times. I don't want to repeat myself, but I just grew up in a law enforcement family. I I, oh, I like, you know, when Joe DeGeneva once said or first said, he said it many times since dirty cop. I'm like, mm-hmm. wow. Oh, it just to me, it sort of cuts so deep because I just love law enforcement. I, I really, truly in my heart know that we have the premier law enforcement agency in the world in the FBI, and we have the premier intelligence agency in the world, 
and I know so many people in in the CIA, FBI, and and special, you know, agents, etc., and even Secret Service guys. I love these guys, and it just hurts to really know that that one percent has tainted all of them, and they hate it too. By the way, that's the first thing they'll tell me. Yeah, I think you know Greg said something before that there are people coming forward now for the first time now that. Most of the people are gone, right? You've got Rosenstein gone now for the first time. You've got Comey and McCabe and Stroke all out of the picture. I've talked to people, frontline law enforcement officials who were involved in this or on the periphery of this, who told me their gut turned inside out while they were watching this going on. They saw the FBI do things like use articles to disguise the fact that they knew the evidence was bad or leaking stories to create the perception of evidence or, uh, or using tactics without the uh, permission of the manual. When you hear that from uh, line agents, you know that the, the rest of the FBI, the 99.9% of it, are still good. They were concerned by it, but it shows you that a small number of people at the top can hijack a good agency and turn it to bad uses, and I think that may be the ultimate storyline that comes out here. And if I may say, William Barr has said this himself, the Attorney General. Um, he, he says there was a failure among a group of leaders in the upper echelons of the FBI. He said this in the, in the CBS interview recently. Right. And, and he said, you know, what troubles him is that a, quote-unquote, small group of people at the top of the FBI was one of the mistakes that was being made running this uh, as a normal bureau investigation done by executives, he said, at the senior level out of headquarters. He said that was wrong, and that tipped him off that something was amiss. So Bill Barr and John Durham know that people like James Comey and Andrew McCabe and Peter Strzok had hijacked what should have been uh, a, a rank-and-file investigation uh, and not run out of headquarters. And the only reasonable conclusion you can draw is they did it for political reasons. i got to let you both go. You know, I think Taking our time and going through this longer every day is helping because what I realize is there's so much information and there's so much about to be revealed that I want everybody up to speed. I was very encouraged last night when the president was speaking in Orlando that everybody gets it now. But it's taken a long time for people to get where we've been for a while. And that's actually a great sign of things to come. Uh, great work. Greg Jarrett, thank you. John Solomon, thank you. When we come back, Bill O'Reilly, don't forget, President Trump, exclusively tonight on Hannity on Fox News. We'll continue. for our final news roundup and information overload in the final hour of the Sean Hannity Show. And think about it. Nobody's been tougher on Russia than Donald Trump. Nobody. We call it the Russian hoax. Remember President Obama's famous line caught on the open mic secretly telling the Russian president to, quote, Inform Vladimir that after my election, I'll have more flexibility, okay? Remember that? Remember that? A lot of people remember that. I remembered it. I saw it happen. I didn't like it. They don't bring it up. The fake news will never bring it up. And in September, just before the election, the FBI told President Obama, 
about possible Russian interference, and he did nothing because he thought that Hillary Clinton, crooked Hillary, was going to win. That's why he did nothing. He did nothing. Virtually every top Democrat also now supports taxpayer-funded abortion right up to the moment of birth, ripping babies straight from the mother's womb. Leading Democrats have even opposed measures to prevent the execution of children after birth. You saw that in Virginia. Republicans believe that every life is a sacred gift from God. That is why I have asked Congress to prohibit extreme late-term abortion. All right, that was the president, Orlando, last night announcing that he is running for a second term and going through his record, his success, uh, taking a few shots here and there at Democrats. I remember in 2016, now you you got to remember, I knew Donald Trump for many, many years before he decided to run for president. I knew where he stood on issues. I know that he had evolved on some issues and Many of my conservative friends had some doubts. Did he really mean it that he was pro-life, for example? Well, he's done more on that issue than any president in modern history. Uh, did he mean it about Israel? Well, the capital was moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, and Golan Heights are now recognized as Israeli territory. Um, did he mean it on the Iranian deal? Yeah, he meant it, and we're out of that stupid deal that Biden-Obama put us in. But more importantly, what I care about the most is the forgotten men and women, the 13 million more Americans after eight years of Biden and Obama that ended up on food stamps and the 8 million more Americans that ended up in poverty. And we now have the best uh, job situation we've had in this country since 1969. It's an amazing comeback story. Uh, we now have record low unemployment. I know the media is obsessed, breaking down every single poll demographically. African-Americans, record low unemployment. Hispanic-Americans, same story. Asian-Americans, same story. Women in the workplace, same story. Youth unemployment, 50 years, the best conditions ever, which is great because if you're an incorrigible kid like me and Bill O'Reilly, you need a summer job. That keeps you out of trouble with your dopey friends, at least my dopey friends. Bill maybe weren't so dopey, I don't know. But uh, anyway, and we're energy independent. And the president's fighting like hell to get the border wall built, and he's winning on that. I mean, it, and he, he, as he said last night, two originalist justices, no other person running for president ever gave the names ahead of time. He did, and he stuck to it. Bill O'Reilly is with us. By the way, he's got a book coming out um, in the fall, and it's called The United States of Trump. You can find out more on BillOReilly.com. Um, people can't even believe we're friends, but... Yeah, I admit that I'm friends with O'Reilly, barely, but I admit it. You got to admit yeah, that. I mean, it's a prestige thing for you. I understand. What do you mean? You're such an arrogant. Um, so, why are you being so arrogant? You're my friend. They, stock goes up. Your stock goes That's, up. And I go, wow, <laughs> what's he really like? You know, that kind of thing. I don't, by the way, isn't that the strange? You know, oh, slow down. Isn't that the strangest you know, question, speech. though? No, no, no. Hang on. Isn't that the strangest question? People ask, what, what, do, what is that person really like? Yeah. I'm like, what, what do you think? Like, People stop me in the grocery. Why are you here? I like to eat, obviously. I'm fat. <laughs> you know, when you, when you ask that question, that's the theme of the United States of Trump. If you want to break it down, what's he really like? 
because you haven't really gotten that from the reportage um, from the American press, have you? Everybody is uh, complicated, and everybody has strengths and weaknesses, so we go over it. But I, I also what caught my eye was, uh, in fact, right now I'm online to buy tickets for the cage match between you and Jim Acosta to see him. <laughs> I, I, I'm really looking forward to that. Well, he now, said he wants to meet me in Hannity, but he's a lethal machine. You're a lethal weapon, right? You're, you're a kung fu guy. I really, that's what you're going to reduce my my mixed martial arts, my study of Kempo, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and Krav Maga, and situational street fighting, and training with firearms, blades, sticks, and hitting the heavy bag, that you're going to reduce it down to Kung Fu. Is that what you're going to say to me? Seriously? Yeah, Kung Fu guy, but you're a regular United Nations there with every... Uh uh, self-defense country on earth well, so uh, incorporated not, into your I, repertoire, but I don't yeah. think Acosta knows. No, that, well, I really would have appreciated it if you not tipped him off that he's gonna he'd get his ass kicked if he, you know, if we sh- if he showed up. <laughs> why are you why are you destroying what would be a great opportunity for me? Well, I think you have to full di- full disclosure before you destroy him. You have to say, Jim, um, you know, hey, uh, if you get in the cage with me, Sean Hannity, you're not coming out. No, I'm I not giving him a cage. You know why? His As people, Catholic, Bill. You have to do that, Hannity. You're, you're, you're enti- you have to. You're quiet. To do it. All right. Here's the thing. He's been begging to be on the TV show. Fake yeah, news. I know. There goes. Right. He's been begging that. to be. He's the been begging dog. to be on the radio show. He and I said, look, I'm the number one guy in cable. By the way, you can have that distinction back any day you want because you get all the crap that goes along with it. And I'm, I'm very happy at number two. And 618 of the best radio stations in the country, thanks to this great audience. Now, here's the thing, Bill. Wow. His book is 4.95 on Amazon right sure. now. Okay. Uh, your book will be number one. Your books always are number one. Right now, yeah. for four weeks in a row, the number one book in the country is Mark Levin's book. It's a great book. I don't know if you've read it. Unfreedom of yeah, the Press. I'd say it's very insightful and uh, a constant publicity for his book. It's not going to sell. I mean, people buy books from people that they trust. If you really want to boil it down to, you buy nonfiction books from people you trust. And I'm sorry, Jim, you just don't have a lot of people trusting you. Would you um, let him on? Would you put network. him on did you the fact last night? Hannity, after after, did you see them? CNN? See what? No, I didn't. Did uh, Bill, I was working. I was on the air. <laughs> no, oh, I don't right. have you the luxury. Got the TV thing going, right? Yeah, okay, I still so got that I'm, thing going. I'm retired, and I could watch. So Lemon comes on and says, hey, we didn't cover the speech, we CNN, because, you know, would you cover Hitler's speeches? He said no. that. Oh, my he God. Thanks for because, the tip. You know, well, we, we have no obligation to cover lies and propaganda. And you're, and and this is national news. Let me I let mean, me play it for our audience. You, you, he's the president of the United States. Listen, and Bill. You're, people, you're Bill, Bill, Bill. Him to Adolf Hitler. People aren't going to believe you. Let's play it. Think about the despicable people we've had in history. Okay, now I'm going to use an extreme example. Um, think about Hitler. Think about any of those people. Would you say that that person is allowed? Or let's put it this way. If you could look back on in history, would you say, well, I'm so glad that that person was allowed a platform so that they could spread their hate and propaganda and lies? Or would you say it probably wasn't the right thing to do to spread that because you knew 
in the moment that that was a bad person and they were doing bad things. Not only were they hurting people, they were killing people. All right. So, Bill, you just heard. All right. We just played it. So my question to you is what would have happened? What if it was you saying or to me saying it after an Obama speech? Sure. Um, we were drummed out of the business and uh, um, crucified. Um, but we all know that in America now, and this goes back to why Acosta is not selling any books, is that the people are not getting the truth. They're not getting analysis. When Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez made the concentration camp remark, which everyone knows was not true, there are not concentration camps on the southern border, and you cannot invoke that image Ugh. where 10 million people were Slaughtered. put into these camps. You can't do it. Yet she gets away with it. And if anybody else did it on the right, they would be, their career would be in jeopardy. So everyone knows what's happening here. And it's, tr- Trump was smart last night to bring this far-left stuff up. That was the strongest part of his speech last night. Now, he's going after that far-left radical movement, which the media is tied into. That's going to be very effective for him. You know, I, it's funny because I read your comments on it, um, and I, I thought it was pretty insightful. I think the president, I'm looking at all the Democratic candidates. And, I, for, for example, I think you said the last time you were on, you think probably sleepy, creepy, crazy Uncle Joe gets it, right? Yeah, but I didn't say sleepy, creepy, crazy. Okay, well, I'm just vice president. I'm trying to be entertaining, Bill. I got, you know, I'm trying to keep people. I want to keep the audience. And and what what people don't know about O'Reilly is he is a savant when it comes to audiences and and doing good shows. I mean, you you were the best at it. And uh, I know that Joe Biden can give by uh, can give Trump the toughest race. Not the guy that I'm not the guy that I'm watching. He's, he's, no, but what, you, what you're not taking into account, perhaps, is that Biden has the Obama stamp of approval. See, this is very important for the minority vote, extremely important. And yes, he's not going to go out there and wow anybody. Plus, when you dig up his record, what well, Biden's record is, you know, not liberal at all. And he's going to have a hard time with that. Uh, you know, he's changing it every day, though, Bill. He supported the Hyde Amendment. Not anymore. He was not anymore. So apologize. Version? Did he go someplace and uh, have a revelation? Did Karl Marx appear to him some night? I mean, no, what, no. What you know who appeared? Ocasio Cortez. Did you see him capitulate on the New Green Deal? I was laughing my ass off. Right. He he's always been a standard conservative Democrat. Always. And now he's not. Now he has to cater to this far left. So Trump is going to be able to carve him. And um, if you saw Bernie Sanders' remarks last night, and I was disappointed in Senator Sanders, who fell back on the racist, all this garbage. Sanders knows better than that. But he's playing, if you can imagine, people being further left than Bernie Sanders. They're further left than Bernie Sanders. He's actually saying reparations is not the way to go. So now Bernie Sanders is not the farthest left candidate anymore. How incredible is this? No, I like it. Well, I think that that Donald Trump did a good speech last night, helped himself raise an enormous amount of money. But he should stay away from the Mueller stuff now. That was my criticism on BillOReilly.com, my one criticism. I disagree with you on this, but go ahead. I think that he won the Mueller thing. 
He did. Okay. So now advance the story. You know, when you're in TV, as Hannity is, obviously, and I was, it's always better to give people new things than go and, and keep saying the old things. And what Trump should do now is just say, you know what? The Mueller thing was a big fraud, and uh, we, we won. Uh, we, we won. won. But now, you know, it's not over because there's going to be people being held to account for that fraud. And I'm going to let the attorney general handle it, but I believe uh, they will be held to account. And that's where you pick the story up now, not relitigating the story about all the terrible things. Let Barr do that. Let the facts show that. Because you've got to assume that Barr is working this, and that will be, and the Democratic Party knows this, if it comes out that there was an active conspiracy to derail a Trump campaign, and Hillary Clinton was involved in it, and her people were involved, Podesta and all those people, it's going to hurt him. That's going to help Trump in the next election. So you've yeah. got to assume that Barr is working that hard. All right, final moments we have with uh, Bill O'Reilly, BillOReilly.com. Um, you got about 30 seconds. Tell us, give us one more tidbit to your book. And okay, I'm not trying um, to be annoying. I'm just like, you're really putting no, your heart and soul into this. You do me a favor uh, by, by pro- promoting the book. Uh, I'm going to tell you exactly why Donald Trump likes being president of the United States. Why this for him is his whole life now. He doesn't want to go back to building towers and all of that. And I want to tell you why. The, the strength of the book is you are going to get to know Donald Trump as a person, which has never been done before. I think that's powerful. You gave me a better tease last week, though. So you're off your game today. No, I had a 30 seconds, so I didn't want to bloviate and then run into your spots. <laughs> I know you guys are... You know, you're, you're, by the way, you know, just by me interviewing you, people's heads explode. And I don't get it. Why is that? Well, because it's too much charisma with Hannity and O'Reilly, two Irish guys. Just oh, Jesus. Making sense. Oh, Jesus. Stop. Too much charisma. Uh, the, 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 oh, my God. You're, this ego. I am going <laughs> to fix that at the next breakfast. I, I may have to go Jim Acosta on you. But anyway, well, um, how much but, is the Hannity Acosta cage match? What? Oh, yeah. 300 bucks? I'll take it. <laughs> All right, BillOReilly.com. Thanks, Bill. Talk soon. Quick break. Right back. Congressman Matt Gates of Florida. He was in the audience last night, and uh, he'll give us his uh, inner inside knowledge straight ahead. Oh, and President Trump, Hannity, 9 Eastern tonight. Took on a political machine that tried to take away your voice and your vote. They tried to take away your dignity and your destiny. But we will never let them do that, will we? Many times I said we would drain the swamp, and that's exactly what we're doing right now. We're draining the swamp. the swamp is fighting back so viciously and violently. The amount of press we have tonight reminds me of the Academy Awards before it went political and their ratings went down the tubes. This was our chance to reclaim our government. All right, we've been watching the president kick off his re-election bid. He's been on stage for about six minutes. 
Within two minutes, he did talk about the economy, but within four minutes, it was attacks on the media. So uh, he was talking about a bright, rosy future, but then quickly reverted to some of the same themes he's been talking about since he began running four years ago today. Think about the despicable people we've had in history. Okay, now I'm going to use an extreme example. Um, think about Hitler. Think about any of those people. Would you say that that person is allowed, or let's put it this way, if you could look back on in history, would you say, well, I'm so glad that that person was allowed a platform so that they could spread their hate and propaganda and lies? Or would you say it probably wasn't the right thing to do to spread that because you knew in the moment that that was a bad person and they were doing bad things? Not only were they hurting people, they were killing people. Uh, hello. Uh, what is that is the sickest, the, the most twisted, the most despicable, disgusting comment you could ever hear. And so. So the president criticizes fake news and the crowd starts chanting CNN sucks and they can't handle it. And they justify it by saying, well, would we cover Hitler like, you know, Ocasio-Cortez, you know, saying, well, there are concentration camps down by our southern border. I'm like, how do you get away with saying this crap? Where, where you're talking about millions of people slaughtered, innocent people murdered, mass murder. What has Donald Trump done? Except, okay, give us tax cuts and not pay Iranian mullahs and keep his promise of Israel. Jerusalem's the capital and Golan Heights is recognized as Israel's and the president gets rid of burdensome bureaucracy. Let's see. Oh, and he's created six million new jobs and all those people that were suffering after eight years of Biden and Obama, 13 million more Americans on food stamps, eight million more in poverty, worst recovery since the 40s, lowest home ownership rate in 51 years. Oh, now we have the best economy. Now we have record low unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workforce, youth unemployment. You're going to compare that to a mass murderer. And you call yourself a news organization because you can't handle the fact that people in this country recognize that you have lied to them well over two years and that you have perpetrated a hoax, a conspiracy theory advanced by people that are sick and twisted. All right. Joining us now, he was in the audience the entire time. We have Congressman Matt Gates of the great state of Florida. You know, you got a couple of big shots going on there on uh, Fox News last night because we actually do cover the news. Um, and, uh, anyway, uh, the crowd was out of control. The energy was great. Absolutely, Sean. And thanks for having me on your program last night, the number one program in all of cable news and a place where Americans continuously can go and rely on the information they receive, unlike what you see at CNN. And no one supports the free press more than us conservatives, but the free press does not mean that the press should be free from criticism. And, and they absolutely deserve criticism. They have been more negative about Donald Trump than any other president in American history. And our country is doing better economically than certainly any point in recent history. And it shows the bias and it leads to the frustration that then emerges in these jubilant Trump rallies and experiences. And there's just something unique about a Trump rally, Sean, and, and about this movement. People don't just show up to support President Trump. 
people are showing up because they feel a part of something. This is participatory. Um, you see it in kind of the call and response where the president can say something and gauge the reaction of the crowd. And it's sort of a, a discourse and a dynamic. You experienced that with me when you and I had town hall meetings around Florida. But where you never see that is at a Joe Biden event. You know, at these Joe Biden events, the poor guy's got to read every word. Uh, he doesn't have the ability to maintain the interest of the crowd. And when I don't care what the polls say, when you put these two men split screen down the stretch of the general election, if Joe Biden even gets nominated, there's just going to be no comparison. And people are going to want to be a part of the Trump movement, and they're going to be bored to death by Joe Biden. And I would say, you know, also, uh, we saw in the rally, I think, an excited and a happy president because his whole family was there. You know, one of the things that, that brings the president joy is being around his family, and it was pretty special to have uh, the whole crew present and excited and interested and engaged. And, you know, what we see in Florida is that these lower propensity voters are the very people who are registering to come to Trump rallies and events. Uh, they're not necessarily the same people that you're going to see in polling. And I think that's why throughout the course of this election, you may never see a poll that's got Donald Trump in the lead, but that doesn't mean we're not winning. Our win comes from creating the enthusiasm and the excitement and that participation that we get from regular Americans who uh, really feel like with a rising economy, with more opportunity, with America respected in the world again, uh, that we've got the opportunity to do great things and people want to be a part of it. Now, the other thing about the Trump rally yesterday is that you saw every cross-section of America. We had white-collar, blue-collar, no-collar at all. You had black folks, white folks, Hispanic folks, and, and you saw in Florida a real microcosm of the country, and you saw the intersectionality of why people could choose to support the president. I mean, I, I met with some folks who uh, really believed that their economic future uh, was brighter than at any other point in their lives because jobs were more secure. They were more likely to lead to raises and careers. And then there were other folks who showed up who just appreciated having a president that wasn't a slave to the culture of political correctness. A president that, that understood that in this culture of political correctness, it's largely about controlling what people say and what they think. And we, sure, President Trump is uh, a little bit different. He's got a different style of communicating. But I saw last night a real magnetism from the, the regular people to the president's uh, magnificent and unique style. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. Up here on Capitol Hill today, uh, there's been more work going on. Uh, the radical left continues their attempt to redo the Russia probe. As a matter of fact, today in the House uh, Judiciary Committee, Hope Hicks appeared. She's been testifying now for going on six hours, and she hasn't provided one single additional fact that was not in the Mueller report. But we see in the Democrats a strategy to try to view the Mueller report as a screenplay that they want to turn into a movie by continuing to trot out these witnesses and subject them to a redo of the experience they already had. And the real lesson for the American people is there's nothing that, you know, half a dozen members of Congress or, or even a full committee of Congress is going to find out about the underlying factual nexus of the Mueller report that we didn't find out when you had 19 prosecutors, dozens of FBI agents, tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of subpoenas, thousands of witness statements accumulated, and all of that led 
to the decisive verdict that there was no collusion, that the underlying charge against the president was a false accusation. And so after 22 months of lies about the president, we really have two choices. You know, we could do what the Democrats want us to do and, you know, tweeze through every reaction the president had to being falsely accused, or we could do what the Republicans want to do and find out how it is we came to these circumstances in the first place. Uh, Why did we allow a court to be the victim of fraud in secret? Why did we allow Russians to work with a foreign agent, Christopher Steele, to populate the dirty dossier that then got to be used as a weapon by deep state actors like Clapper and Brennan and others who were presenting this information to the FISA court. So we'll learn a lot about those things, uh, and I also expect we'll learn a lot about the leaks uh, that, in my view, clearly violate the law and can be traced directly back to the leadership of Jim Comey. That is right, Jim Comey. Uh, He viewed his role as the head of the FBI not as a role to conduct investigations, to present information to prosecutors, but instead as a manipulator of public opinion, a political hack, someone whose job it really was to leak information to the media to try to make his story more credible or try to discredit President Trump or some other activity of the administration. If we allow those leaks to go unpunished uh, that McCabe engaged in and that Comey engaged in, then I think we've reshaped the FBI forever in a really bad way. And that would be tragic because we've got thousands of patriotic Americans who serve in the FBI and are on the front lines in the fight against corruption and in support of the rule of law. But at the head shed inside Washington, D.C., there, there was an infective element of politics. And these people, Comey, uh, McCabe, and others, believe that so long as they were destabilizing Trump, so long as they were serving what they believed was a higher equity in discrediting his candidacy and his presidency, then anything else they did was justified and allowed. And for any political party that may exist in the future, we want to make sure that we don't allow that to occur. And I was glad that last night President Trump viewed his challenges through the lens of history. And he said that we never want another duly elected president of the United States to go through this type of an ordeal ever again. And it's not just for the sake of the president. It's for the sake of the country. And you look at what's going on in the world right now. You've got, you know, the United States having to play three-dimensional chess with Russia and China to try to constrain nuclear proliferation on the Korean Peninsula. Uh, we need engagement uh, from Russia to be able to have better outcomes in hot spots like Syria. And, of course, we've got this massive uh, trade dispute with China now where we're standing up for American workers and not for those who would hollow out the middle class of our economy. So with all of that going on and with the transformational opportunities present in uh, Donald Trump's tenure in the White House, uh, we want every tool of the presidency at our disposal to be able to write better trade deals, to be able to denuclearize North Korea, and to be able to craft Russia's engagement with the world in a far more productive way. And unfortunately, during you know the first two years, essentially, of the Trump presidency, he's been having to get all of this work done, despite fighting with one hand tied behind his back, because these uh, accusations of collusion, despite being misproven, still persists today. And it brings us 
likely to, you know, the work that's ongoing. And, and I suspect in the coming weeks, Democrats will bring before the House different players and characters in the Mueller report. And our hope is that the American people see through that, that they realize that there's a difference between trying to recast or redo the Mueller report and the actual work that needs to happen for the betterment of our country. Uh, the Trump administration, for example, has renegotiated NAFTA. They have a new USMCA agreement that I believe would pass if it were placed on the floor of the Congress today. But Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler, they don't want to give us the opportunity to hone public policy and improve our economy and give uplift to wages. Instead, they want to try to find every circumstance uh, to reinvigorate their lies associated with the Russia collusion narrative. And at the end of the day, it's my expectation that the American people will realize that President Trump's fighting for him. He's fighting against a Washington that's got a lot of entrenched, established interests uh, that on the Republican and Democrat side don't want to see things done differently in this town. And that's why I've been fighting so hard for the president, Sean. All right, so Matt Gates has been wanting to fill in, so we did a little test today to see if he could handle it, and I think he did pretty good. Gates, great to talk to you again, and uh, so, yeah, we're going to get you the date as promised, and then if you do okay on the radio show, we'll think about TV. What do you think, Ethan? I think it's a great idea. He did an amazing job. All right, Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, Fox News. Don't forget, the president now will be on Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, on the Fox News channel. And uh, that's all coming up tonight, and we hope you'll join us. Snoop Gingrich also weighs in. John Solomon with breaking news. And I don't know how long the president's going to talk tonight. That's up to him. But anyway, that's all coming up tonight, 9 Eastern, our interview with the president. It's live on the Fox News channel and much more. Thanks for being with us. See you tonight. Back here tomorrow.